0: Some of you are probably familiar with the name Solomon Northrup. He was born upstate New York in 1808. 1808 in upstate New York, he was a, a black man, but he was born a free man. He was well educated, refined. He was a favorite son of his community. He had a wife, a kid, and he was a farmer. He owned land. He's a businessman. Unfortunately, through the deceptive and criminal and practices of a couple of unscrupulous characters, Solomon was kidnapped and sold into slavery in Louisiana. And for 12 long years endured the inhumane treatment of a slave in the After those 12 years, he was rescued, and he told his story in his book entitled 12 Years a Slave. Highly recommend the book, not the movie so much. Solomon Northrup's story, in in, in one sense, in some sense, is like that of Joseph. We have been going through the life of Joseph, and we come here to the end of Joseph's life. Like Northrop, Joseph was blessed, and he was a highly highly favored son. And through the anger and jealousy of his brothers, he was sold into slavery, where he would eventually through the unscrupulous and lustful acts of his master's wife, be thrown into prison. And Joseph was held in slavery and in prison for 13 years. And after those 13 years, as we've seen going through the life of Joseph, God was pleased to raise Joseph from prison and place him in the palace, And make him a prince, the prince that he was born to be. God established him as a prince over Egypt and a prince over his people. But more than establishing Joseph as a prince in Egypt and a prince over his people, God established Joseph as a deliverer, a savior of his people. Like Northrop, Joseph would eventually be restored to his family, to his father, and even to his brothers who sold him into slavery. But more than Northrop, beloved, Joseph was more than just a slave in Egypt. Joseph was a kind of Christ. His life points us to Christ over and over and over again. And our text this morning is no different. As Joseph is nearing the, nearing the end of his life, his His father, Jacob, has just died, as we saw last week. And in the midst of his loss, Joseph shows himself once again to be what God had ultimately called him to be, a type of Christ. Think about Joseph in relationship to Christ. Both took on the form of servants. Both were were forced to go down to Egypt. Both were falsely accused. And both trusted him who judges rightly. Both in humility were later exalted. Both through suffering inherited a kingdom. Both saved those who were unworthy of being saved and knew it not. Like Christ, the Bible tells us in St. Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9, he who knew no sin became sin. He who was rich became poor so that others who were Poor might become rich. Joseph was blessed and highly favored of God. And yet remember that he was ill-treated because of it. But rather than grow angry and rather than grow bitter and rather than grow vindictive like we would often do, Joseph reminds us of our calling to be like Jesus, and he reminds us of what Jesus did. It says in 1 Peter chapter two and verse twenty-three: When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten. But he continually entrusted himself to him who judges rightly. That's Christ. But this morning, beloved, in Genesis 50, that's Joseph. Joseph, in this sense, again, points us to Christ. These are the final words of Genesis. We see Christ in Joseph, the Savior. Joseph the Savior. Joseph was, as we have seen already, a much-beloved ruler in Egypt, highly favored. But that was not his mission. The mission of God was not just for Joseph to be a ruler in Egypt, to rise up to the ranks of Pharaoh's right-hand man. But more importantly than that, beloved, the mission of Joseph was one of Redeemer and Savior. That's what it says in Genesis 45 and verse 7. Remember what Joseph said? But God sent me ahead of you when he was speaking to his brothers at the the revelation that he was Joseph. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph understood that God had sent him to Egypt to save his family, to redeem them, to keep them from death. What Joseph reminds us this morning is that our great deliverance in Christ Jesus is a deliverance that starts with mercy, it's sealed in sovereignty, and it's sustained by grace. What a wonderful picture of Christ this morning, beloved. the mercy and the sovereignty. And the grace of God in the salvation and deliverance of his people starts with mercy. What is mercy? Well, as we've said over and over again, and we will continue to say it to the Lord, Terrence, that mercy is essentially the goodness of God in the midst of misery. You can remember that. Mercy is goodness in misery. Goodness and misery. And Joseph's brothers, the Bible says, that they were mourning the death of their father, Jacob. And as they were mourning their father's death, and they finally laid their father to rest, the emotion of mourning gave way to regret. Well, they mourned their father but they regretted the thought of being left alone with Joseph. Notice what it says in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph now will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. These brothers were concerned You can hear the the worry in their voices. You can see the concern in their eyes as they're looking and talking to one another, wondering what they are going to do. There is fear and trepidation. And yet their worry and concern, beloved, notice, that their worry and concern is not rooted in Joseph's character, but in their own. Notice what they say, all the evil we did to him. The reason why they're afraid, beloved, is because they looked in the mirror. They looked in the mirror. They weren't looking in the eyes of Joseph. They were looking into their own hearts. and They didn't like what they saw. Isn't that how we judge people? Beloved, isn't that what we do? We judge people not by what they do, but we judge them by what we would do if we were them. Amazing how many times I have conversations with people warning me about somebody else. And that person hasn't even done a thing. But they're going to tell me that they know they're going to do that. And at that moment, all they're doing is looking into their own heart. That's because you would do that. Or you have done that. was the wickedness of the slave owners doing slavery in the United States, beloved. You know what they feared most of all? They feared most of all that the slaves would revolt and do to them what they had been doing to the slaves. It's the wickedness of the human heart. And you know it in your heart of hearts. and you judge other people by it rather than judging them on their own character. Those slave owners feared the wrath of the slaves because they knew that the slaves had been the recipients of their wrath. So it was with the brothers of Joseph. And what do they do, beloved? They scheme. And they plot and they plan, because that's what they do. And they put words. Jacob wasn't there to defend himself anymore. And so now they put words in the mouth of Jacob. They sent a message to Joseph, saying verse 16 and 17, Your father gave this command before he died. Now, if he had given this command before he died, they wouldn't have had to tell Joseph that he would have given it to Joseph. They said, look, man, this is what daddy said. Please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And then they say, now, please forgive the transgressions of the servants of God and of your father. Amazingly, beloved, amazing. Joseph no doubt knew they were lying. No doubt he knew that his father gave no such command. But when Joseph heard the words of his brother's The Bible says he wept. Why? He was brokenhearted, beloved. He was brokenhearted because even after all this time, they thought that he was just like. They had been mean. They had been malicious. And they thought Joseph would be mean. And Joseph would be malicious. But Joseph wasn't mean. Joseph wasn't malicious. Joseph was merciful. Notice that, beloved. He was merciful. Why was Joseph so merciful? Because, beloved, God is merciful, and God had been merciful to Joseph. Joseph is full of the compassion and the mercy of God because God is beloved. Look what the Bible says. James chapter five, and verse eleven. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast for you have heard of the steadfastness of Job and you have seen the purpose of the Lord and how the Lord is compassionate and full of mercy. Full of mercy. This is who God is. He is merciful. He's abounding in mercy. We know that, but we don't believe that. And the reason we don't believe that is because we're so flippant with it. How many times have you just flippantly said, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. I'll tell you one thing. Blind Bartimaeus wasn't flippant with it. When he saw Jesus walking and he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. I guarantee you that the tax collector wasn't flipping with it. When he prayed, Lord, have mercy upon me, a sinner. I guarantee you, Paul wasn't flippant with it. When he said, in my former life, I was an insolent man. But I received the mercy of God. And every time Paul looked in the mirror, you could hear him say, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Beloved, you can can tell people who know the mercy of God because they are merciful people. You can tell the people who know the compassion of God because they are compassionate people. You can tell people who have experienced the kindness of God because they are kind people. You can tell people who have known and experienced the love of God because they are loving. Joseph had every reason to be mean. He had every reason to be malicious. What reason did he have to be merciful? Except he knew that he had received the mercy of God. That's where it starts, beloved. Starts in the recognition. Recognition that in our misery, we need the goodness of God in his mercy. But it doesn't just start in there. It is sealed in sovereignty. Because, beloved, the mercy of God is rooted in sovereign mercy. We're not just talking about any mercy. We're talking about a sovereign mercy, a mercy that is undeserved and unearned, and it governs all of life. Every moment of every day, Joseph understood himself to be living and walking in the mercy of God. He tells his brothers, verse 19 and 20, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many should be kept alive as they are today. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Beloved, this is the sum of it all. This is really the summation of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 to Genesis Fifty, The summation of, of, of Genesis, it's 50 and 20. As one commentator said, it is not just the lesson of Joseph's story. It is the conclusion to the book of Genesis as well. Why? Because this is the summation of life in Christ. This is the summation of the Christian life, beloved. From the Garden of Eden, to the murder of Abel, to the imprisonment of Joseph, to the enslavement of Israel, to the crucifixion of Christ. The Bible shows us again and again and again that the plan of evil cannot and will not thwart the plan and the purposes of God. Looking at the sovereign purposes of God, beloved, that's what gives perspective. Looking, seeking the grand plan and scheme taking your eyes off of the immediacy of your circumstances and looking to the grand scheme of God and seeking to behold as his providence unfolds, knowing that it is a good providence. Beloved, don't miss it. Joseph suffered pain. And Joseph suffered loss. And so when you hear him say, you meant it for evil, there was evil in what transpired. And it caused Joseph pain. And he suffered loss. They were real experiences in his life. But the difference is, beloved, is that those pain pain and those losses, Joseph did not see them as the end of his life. But he looked beyond them. He looked around them. He looked through them. He looked over them. Anything he had to do, he wanted to behold the plan and the purposes of God. however you had to do it. Joseph didn't have it, the promise that you and I have, but he understood it in Romans 8 and 28. We know that God causes everything to work together for good. Everything, everything to work together for good. Those who love God, And called according to his purposes. Beloved, you do understand that God watches over his promises. He watches over his promises, and therefore, they will not fail. He watches over his covenants, and therefore, they cannot be voided. And he watches over his people. And therefore, they cannot be destroyed. Cannot be destroyed. Why? Because his people and his covenant, like his promises, they are sealed in his sovereignty. Sealed in his sovereignty. And the good news this morning, beloved, the good news this morning is that trouble may trouble you, but trouble can't take you. The good news this morning, beloved, is that the world may harm you, but the world can't have you. The good news this morning, beloved, is that death may touch you, but death can't take you. because You belong to God. And like his promises and like his covenant, you are sealed in his Sovereignty, and God has determined all things to work together for your good, even the death of his saints. That's why we sing every Sunday. You do know that. That's why we sing every Sunday. That's why the Christian, no matter what happened during the week, the Christian comes and sings on Sunday. That's why the Christian comes and prays on Sunday. And they ask you, how can you pray through the pain? How can you sing in the midst of the sorrow? And you stand up and you say, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. And his eyes are on the sparrow. And I know, I know, I know he watches over me. And that's why I sing. And that's why Joseph could sing. Because that deliverance that they had I love it, was a deliverance started in mercy but it was sealed in sovereignty and it is sustained by grace every moment of every day he is sustaining his promises of delivering his people mercy says That you won't be punished for what you did. Grace says, now I will supply all of your needs. Isn't that what Joseph said? Verse 21, so do not fear. Not only am I going, not only have I forgiven you, but he says, I will provide for you and your little ones. The Bible says, Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Beloved, that is amazing. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. I don't know if you understand it or not, okay? but that is the message of the gospel. When the gospel comes, beloved, It is God speaking comfort. It is God speaking kindness. That's what he told the prophet Isaiah to say to his people in Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40. God tells the prophet Isaiah, comfort, comfort my people, says God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Tell them that their warfare is ended. That's what God says. Put down your weapons. Stop fighting against me. Stop running away from me. I am here to forgive you of your sins. I have sent Christ so that there will be no condemnation upon you. Listen to him speak again softly, and tenderly. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. For I have come into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through me might be saved. Speak comfort, Speak kindly. Joseph could sense the fear in his brothers. And you know what, beloved? In one sense, they had a right to be afraid. In one sense, they should have been afraid. They knew what they had done to They knew that they had offended Joseph and offended their father and they had offended God. And in one sense, they had a right to, they were in their right minds to be afraid. Because most of the things we are afraid of, we really have no reason to be. Or even if we have reason to be, we don't fear the right things. We fear snakes. We fear spiders and dogs. We fear bees. We fear the loss of our home. We fear terrorists. We fear big government. We fear President Trump. Really? You know what? I get amazed, beloved. And I'm going to tell you something right here. And a little offended. Okay? I get amazed and a little offended when people stop talking or change the subject when I come around. Oh, oh, Pastor comes. Shh. shh. That, is, uh, that, that amazes me and it tends to offend me. Because for some reason, I'm asking myself, why do you fear me? What can I do? I don't have heaven or hell to put anyone in. I tell you all to be afraid of. You ought to be afraid of the ones who hurt the one who heard the conversation long before the pastor got there. <laughs> Jesus said, Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, "You not fear those who kill the body, cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy." both body and soul in hell beloved you don't need to be afraid of me you need to fear God that's what Joseph said Joseph said y'all don't need to be afraid of me am I in the place of God I'm not God here If you want to be afraid, be afraid of God. Fear his holiness. Fear his omniscience. Fear his omnipresence. Fear his power. You want to fear something, fear God. And yet, here is the amazing thing. Once you get a right fear of God, you know what God says? Fear not. (laughs) Once you get a heightened sense of his presence a heightened sense of his holiness and his righteousness and how you are to worship him and it rises up in your heart and you tremble before him, God comes and says, do not be afraid. Do not fear. Fear not. For God has promised to supply all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus, beloved. And like Joseph, not only will he not harm you, but he will provide all things necessary for your life and godliness. This is amazing. You know why Joseph told his brothers not to be afraid? He told them not to be afraid because the price for their redemption had already been paid. They were afraid that they were going to have to pay for their sins. And Joseph tells them, don't be afraid. The price of your redemption has already been paid and Joseph says, I'm not going to make you pay for those sins again. You're free. Did you hear that? You are free. Brothers and sisters, you are free. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? You're free. You're free. God says to you, you're free. That's not just a preacher saying that. God says that. You're free from the guilt of your sin. You're free. You're free from the penalty of your sin. You're free. You're free from the power of your sin. You are free. Christ. Had set you free. Now, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am free. And from whence comes this fear and unbelief? Is not the Father put to grief? a spotless son for me? And will the righteous judge of men condemn me for the debt of sin that Lord was charged on thee? If thou hast my discharge procured and freely in my room endured the whole of wrath divine, payment, God cannot twice demand. First at my bleeding surety's hand, and then again at mine. I am free. That's what Joseph said to his brothers. That's what Christ says to his brothers and sisters this morning. You're free. You're free.